So this is our fourth lesson on uh, our study as seeing ourselves as a slave. And we'll hopefully wrap up next week with our fifth lesson. Uh, we stopped last time before Thanksgiving with uh, John 15 and looking at uh, the um, Jesus telling his disciples that no longer is he going to call them uh, slaves, but instead friends. And uh, this is a, probably a limited application just to the apostles because of their close relationship with Jesus. This is the night that he was arrested and they needed a lot of encouragement. So John 14 to 16, talking about the Holy Spirit, he's encouraging them. And uh, it this is probably uh, the anomaly of, um, of an interpretation that is uh, just um, just for the apostles. Uh, because of how many other passages uh, talk about us being slaves, all the stories of Jesus, and then we'll get into uh, the book of Acts, and the rest of the New Testament uh, talks about us being slaves. So we'll try to get an overview today of the um, one more passage from Jesus' teaching in Luke. So if you want to turn your Bibles to Luke 17, we'll look at Luke 17. And then go through a survey of the rest of the New Testament, what it says about us um, being being slaves, identifying as slaves. I know this is countercultural. It always has been. It was countercultural in Jesus' day in a Roman Empire, um, in a Greek to the Greek thinker, to the to the Jewish audience. Um, it has always been. I'm not a slave reaction, so it'll take some explanation, which the Bible does explain uh, quite a bit, as we have already seen. But Luke 17, uh, verse 7 to 10, we'll see today um, what Jesus teaches us here, and then get into uh, the rest of the New Testament. So Luke 17 Verse 7 says, Will any one of you who has a slave plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field? So the slave has been working out in the field, hard day's work. He comes in, and if you are the master who owns a slave, say to this person, come at once and recline at table. This, is, this isn't how slaves are treated. Uh, after a full day's work out in the field, will he not rather say, verse 8, to him, prepare supper for me, dress properly, serve me while I eat and drink, and afterward you will eat and drink. So a slave, even though he's tired and hungry, has to serve his master first. This is just normal that everyone listening to Jesus would have understood this. And oh, yeah, this is what we do with our with uh, slaves. And if you were a slave, this is what you would expect your master, how he would treat you. Verse 9. Does he thank that slave because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say we are unworthy slaves. We have only done what was our duty uh, to do. So only done what our duty. What is Jesus teaching us here? If we see ourselves as slaves, which I think with all of the teaching that Jesus has taught us up to this point, is our only conclusion is this is a, a primary way of how Jesus wants us to view ourselves, to think of ourselves very lowly, um, 
and then we're just slaves just doing our duty putting their ma our master's needs above our own while thinking this here's what jesus is is saying here at the end we have done nothing worthy of praise so we deflect all praise to our master which is how the bible is set up god and jesus are the theme of the bible and praising them and deflecting praise to him giving god all the glory and any time that someone says wow you are really humble well you have really done a great job serving here we're, we need to be thinking i'm a slave of jesus and i'm only doing my duty i've done nothing worthy of praise so think about child rearing think about um serving people in the church, think about uh, nursery, think about changing diapers, think about cleaning restrooms, uh, think about evangelizing, uh, parenting, uh, discipling, um, serving anywhere out in the community, uh, doing, uh, being your, doing your best to be a neighbor. How to think is, I've done nothing worthy of praise. <laughs> it is all, I'm just doing what is my duty to do. And so Jesus, I think, helps us to understand this in Luke 17. Um, all the other passages we have looked at in, in the Gospels, the last three studies. And so we're going to go to uh, Acts 2 now. Acts 2, uh, verse 18. When the Holy Spirit comes in the uh, the New Testament church era, um, after the ascension, resurrection, and ascension of Christ, when the Holy Spirit comes, there's a quote from Joel 2.29. And a, a quote that is so encouraging for the average person all the way down to those who were slaves who uh, had no chance in the Old Testament of being indwelt by the Holy Spirit. If you look back at who was indwelt by the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, it was leaders like Joshua, Moses, uh, Samuel, Saul, um, Samson, um, David, uh, prophets. So these were leaders of Israel, leaders in in God's um, in God's um, God's uh, Israel in the Old Testament. So only only leaders had the Holy Spirit, but Joel tells us in quoting here in Acts 2, verse 18, that uh, the last day shall be verse 17, quoting Joel 2, 28 and 29 here. In the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. So the Holy Spirit's going to come upon all sons and daughters, all young men. And if you are a slave in the Roman Empire at this time, thinking, yeah, probably only free people are going to have the Holy Spirit. And Joel's encouraging even slaves here, verse 18. Even on my male slaves and female slaves in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. So the Holy Spirit is going to inhabit in Acts 2. All believers, all believers who are slaves, all the way down to slaves. So it's not just for the elite, not just for people who are free. They're going to have access to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's going to dwell them. Joel is going to encourage that. And when we when we translate the word slave here correctly, it's like, wow, even the lowest people 
are are going to be uh, have have the Holy Spirit indwelling them, and then it's going to be permanently. And so you're going to be greatly encouraged if you're reading this and you're a slave, thinking, "Wow, I'm going to have the Holy Spirit." And in the in the New Testament, we have someone who was a slave, who was a believer. Uh, his name was Onesimus, and he was uh, in indwelt by the Holy Spirit in the book of Philemon. So Acts 2, 18 is an encouragement to all those who are slaves. Acts 4, 29, it could be encouraging for us today as we as you pray. Acts 4, uh, 29. Um, Acts 4, 29 says, give you a chance to, to find that, Acts 4, 29. So they're praying for boldness. And this is in their prayer after they have been, uh, the apostles have been arrested and told not to speak in the name of Jesus. And Peter and John are witnessing the man who was healed in the beginning of Acts 3 is witnessing. And uh, the gospel is starting to spread in the book of Acts. And the religious leaders are desperately trying to put a lid on it. And it's not not working. So the believers gather when they were released, verse 23, they went with their friends and they are filled with the Holy Spirit. They quote the Old Testament uh, in their in their prayer uh, and starts in verse 24. But uh, they use the word slaves here in, the, in this prayer and we'll pick it up in verse 27. For truly in this city, they were there were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your slaves to continue to speak your word with all boldness. When you translate it servant, it doesn't come across how God wanted us to see it. And these people, controlled by the Holy Spirit, like Simeon, when he sees Jesus in Acts uh, or in uh, Luke two. When these uh, people are praying in the power of the Spirit, they refer to themselves uh, as slaves, slaves of God and slaves that need boldness. Because remember Jesus' stories said about uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who goes away and he sends some of his slaves back and some of them get beat and, and killed and have their course need boldness to obey the master. So the apostles' prayer for boldness uh, after which, obviously, God is hearing and answering this prayer. And how do they know? Because the whole place where they were at was shaken. So anytime you see a shaking in the book of Acts, uh, uh, an earthquake, it, God is answering a prayer. God is showing up and encouraging the apostles that they're, they've got their answer. Uh, if you go through the book of Acts, uh, Acts 16 is an interesting story that you probably know. Uh, but if you look, look with me in, in Acts 16, when the demon-possessed girl that Paul and Silas are able to cast out of this girl and had her um, her master's much gain by fortune-telling and, and things, um, before they cast this um, the demon out of her, um, Acts 16, 6, 16, 16, 16, as they were going to the place of prayer, that's Paul and Silas going to the place uh, of prayer to meet with uh, faithful Jewish people who are some of them new believers now. 
as they were going to the place of prayer, they were met there by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. It's interesting that they translate it correctly here, slave and her owners, because it doesn't make sense, servants and owners. But verse 17, listen to what the, it's not really focused on what this girl, who this girl is. The point of this is going to see how do the demons refer to the apostles, Paul and Silas. So verse 17, she followed Paul and us crying out, these men are slaves of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Now, remember when Jesus was on earth and the demons were telling everyone through demon possessed people, this is Jesus. He's the son of the most high God. How the demons refer to us believers is slaves of the most high God. Um, so wh why is that important? Um, because demons know reality, whether they want to want to admit it or not, whether they submit to Jesus as Lord uh, or not, uh, doesn't change the fact that when demons speak and what's recorded uh, of what they say in scripture, uh, they speak the truth. Um, obviously, Paul isn't going to let them. Uh, he is grieved. Uh, he's greatly annoyed and commands her in the name of the Lord Jesus to come out of her in verse 18. But I think it's fascinating that demons have this right, um, that we are slaves of the Most High God. And hopefully we'll follow in the Apostles' footsteps, Paul's footsteps, and Silas by showing people the way of salvation. Um, there are other um, passages. You can look at Romans uh, 16. Uh, Romans 6, I'm sorry. We're going to end with Romans 12. 14 and 16, but before we end, um, <clears throat> let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 7 <clears throat> has um, a couple references to slave in 1 Corinthians. Um, we could go through the New Testament, and I'll give you this uh, document that I'm uh, working on that has um it's similar to the one another document that just takes all the one another's in scripture this is just all the word uh do loss and it's um it's um verb form and bondage and puts them all in order and then a few comments um after that uh so let's look at first corinthians uh seven uh verse 23 so first corinthians seven Verse uh, 23. Verse 15 has a, a reference to uh, bondage, which is slavery. And then 21, 22, and 23. <clears throat> uh, I'll talk about slave language. Are you called being a slave? Verse 21. Let's just pick up the in verse 21. Um, were you not a slave when you were called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he uh, who was called in the Lord as a slave is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called as is a slave of Christ. You are bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. Remember, you can't serve two. You can't be a slave to two masters. So 
thankfully here the ESV translates it uh, slave instead of servant. When I did the study from the King James, it didn't uh, translate this, but slave translated correctly does bring to light uh, a more accurate representation of what the Bible is trying uh, to say. Let's go over to chapter nine, just probably one page over for you in verse 19. Paul says <clears throat> about surrendering his rights. And when you surrender, when you think about this idea of your conscience and your you're um, not going to do things that your other people's conscience would be offended. If you think like a slave, then it really helps you to put yourself in the correct position to make the right decision uh, for the good of other people. So first uh, Corinthians nine, verse 19, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a slave to all that I might win more of them. So next week, we'll look at, <clears throat> this will be one verse, um, give you a taste of this, but how the New Testament tells us that we are slaves of Christ, slaves of God in the kingdom of heaven, we're slaves. But a few times the New Testament says that we are slaves of other people. And in particular here for the sound, it sounds like uh, at least Christians that we are slaves to all. But it might be even broader than that, that, we're, that Paul's talking about slaves to all people so that he can uh, win more of them. So if we in evangelism will think of ourselves as slaves to people, um, then we'll be on the right track, I believe, to help. The mindset of a slave is, well, I'm a slave to people, so I got to I gotta serve them. <laughs> they're, if they're on their way to hell, I've got to do my best to to serve my master Jesus and help them to serve him as well. So even though Paul's not really in slavery to all men, he's making himself a slave to all people. So for the purpose of evangelism. Second um, Corinthians chapter four. Um, we have second Corinthians is more familiar to us from Sunday mornings, but second Corinthians chapter four and verse uh, five, the light of the gospel, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, with ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. And next week, we'll look at our relationship to other people, and then how many times we tell Jesus that he is Lord, and we'll see what that means uh, next week in our concluding uh, study. But Second Corinthians 4, 5 says that Christians are slaves of other Christians for Jesus' sake. Or if we're slaves of Jesus, then we are to slave away for his children too. If we're slaves of Jesus, then slaving away for other Christians is is fine. And uh, then let, let's look at um, Galatians 1.10. We may have time just for Galatians 1.10, and we'll go back to Romans and finish there. Um, Galatians 1, 10. This is about the truth of the gospel, the book of Galatians is. And verse 6 of Galatians 1, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who would trouble you want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, 
let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a slave of Christ. So when you translate that slave, you're like, oh, yeah, the two masters, uh, God and money is uh, is Matthew 6. But here it is, am I trying to please men or God? Okay, if I'm trying to please men, I would not be a slave of Christ. But if I'm a slave of Christ, <laughs> we don't have to please men at all. And the gospel doesn't please most people. It offends them. But this is the mindset of the evangelist is we don't have to please men. We just have to please Christ. First Corinthians 7, 23 says that. And Matthew 6, uh, 24, what we started uh, says that. Uh, so there are other passages. Galatians 4 um, talks about us being uh, slaves of Christ and heirs. Uh, you can study that if you've got questions. Um, please don't hesitate to ask me. I'll try to clarify anything that you have questions. But you'll see in the gospel or the uh, the New Testament writers, Paul uh, identifies himself as slaves in Philippians 1.1. 1, 1. Paul and Timothy are slaves of Jesus Christ. That's how he starts out his book. So he and Timothy are both slaves of Jesus Christ. Um, and... Um, Titus, Paul starts his book that way, Titus 1.1. 1, 1. James uh, writes this way as well. And then Second Peter 1.1, 1, 1. Peter writes this way, that he calls himself a slave and an apostle of Jesus Christ. And then Jude, uh, the slave of Jesus Christ. That's how he starts his book. So Jude and James are fascinating because these guys are half-brothers of Jesus. And of course, the apostles... Uh, Paul and, and Peter could say uh, that they are uh, they are uh, apostles, and they do say that, but they also start with, I'm a slave. So self-identifying as slaves um, is, is helpful. Um, there are other passages. I'll give you this, I'll give you this document so that you can look up uh, all the passages. And like I said, there's 150 eight uh, times that this word uh, slave is mentioned. And most of the time, it's not just the high priest slave, uh, Malchus, his ears cut off and um, slave and free people. A few times it's that in, uh, in the epistles, but most of the time um, we see ourselves as slaves. And uh, let's go back to Romans and we'll look at Romans 12, 14 and 16. Um, and Romans 12 starts with, um, based on all that we have in Christ and our glorious salvation of Romans 1 through 11, because of that, we are to live. We know how Romans 12, 1, uh, begins. I beseech you, therefore, brothers, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So if we are thinking like slaves, then, oh, yeah, sacrifice, that's fine. I'll, I'll sacrifice my time and everything uh, for God because of his mercies. <laughs> and the mercies of God are enumerated in Romans 1 through 11. But in the practical part of Romans, we have three references to us being slaves of Christ. And the first is in Romans 12, 11. Romans 12, 11 
in this long section of nine through 21 of just time after time, just application after application after application of, uh, of Romans uh, in the middle of this uh, verse 11, Romans 12, 11. It says, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, slave away for the Lord. Serve the Lord. That's the word, the, the verb of doulos, uh, to slave away for the Lord. Uh, zealously, fervently, this is how we are to slave away for the Lord. And uh, you can read the context. Um, it's a fascinating passage. Uh, Romans 14, and uh, talking about not causing other people to stumble, similar to First First uh, Corinthians 9 was, but here in Romans 14 and verse 18, uh, verse 17, says that the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. But whoever thus slaves away for Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. So in the how we are to um, avoid uh, certain food, eating and drinking, and what would cause unity in the body is us slaving away for Christ. And when we do that, it's acceptable to God and approved by men. And then um, look at Romans 16. Romans 16, verse 18, this is a negative um, negative verse, verse 17 of Romans 16, 17. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught and avoid them. For such persons do not slave away for our Lord Christ. The word there, serve, is actually slave away for. But their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. And so how do we live? Um, when people aren't slave, when Christians aren't slaving away for Christ, uh, and they are, what are they slaving away for in verse 18? They're slaving away for their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery they desire to deceive people. Uh, this isn't how slaves of Christ live. So hopefully uh, we've got a, a enough biblical evidence here that we are to see ourselves uh, as slaves. And I think next week we'll uh, seal the deal, will be the, um, the climax of our study, um, to see ourselves as slaves and to see our Savior as Lord. And we have seen Revelation. I'm not going to show you Revelation 22 again. But we saw last two Sundays ago, week and a half ago, that even in the future, even angels, uh, demons and angels both refer to us and themselves as slaves of the king. And this is a wonderful thing. It's not a bad thing. Uh, it's wonderful. And hopefully it influences the way we pray, the way we view ourselves, the way we view our God, and the way we view our Savior. And next week we'll look at how we view uh uh, each other. And uh, may God bless you uh, this week and that you would be a joyful slave uh, for the king.